the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable. Knowing that you cannot find them all. And if you listen carefully, and sometimes even if you don't, you can hear that sound. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Much like today's culture, you know, we, we live in a day when, when truth, just, just truth, is rejected. We live in a day when people can redefine truth. You know, we, 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 we don't even know what a male or a female is anymore. It's all being redefined. And people can give a new definition and create their own truth today. The truth is just rejected. The truth is whatever you want it to be today. In today's message, Pastor Dan will remind you that in our current world, the truth is often a little off, completely changed or completely irrelevant. People will change the truth to suit whatever needs they may have, or people may choose to just ignore the truth altogether because it's just easier that way. But there is one place where we can look for absolute truth, the Bible. The Bible is the only source of 100% biblical truth on anything that you can imagine. It's our instruction manual. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Okay, we're going to be in Jeremiah, chapter 9. Jeremiah, chapter 9, if you want to turn there in your Bible as we continue our study through the Old Testament, uh, we've been looking at the book of Jeremiah. Well, chapter 9 continues the lament that Jeremiah began uh, in chapter 8, that we saw in chapter 8. Uh, he is, he's lamenting the, just the spiritual condition of his, of his uh, country and of his uh, fellow countrymen. Uh, if you look back at the end of chapter 8, verse 21, he says, For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt, I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? You know, is there any is there any medication? Is there any remedy? Is there a doctor that can help them? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? So Jeremiah is hurting for his people. He's mourning for them because of their condition. He's astonished by their condition. And now chapter 9 continues that thought. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. And here we, just, we see the depth of Jeremiah's anguish and grief in these verses. He, he wept day and night for his people. His eyes were a fountain of tears. 
Uh, you know, in Psalm 56, verse 8, it says that God keeps our tears in a bottle. He collects our tears. Now just think about that for a moment. You know, every time we cry, you know, God collects those tears and he saves them. Our, our tears are precious to God and he, he keeps them. I don't know exactly how he does that, but he keeps every tear that we shed. And they're important to him. And here we see Jeremiah, you know, just weeping over the, the state of his, of his country, over the state of his nation. Uh, and this is why Jeremiah is referred to as the weeping prophet. He's brokenhearted for the people and the suffering that they've brought on themselves by their, by their sin. He weeps because of the sin of the nation. And one of the things that we, we should ask ourselves here is, what is our attitude towards sinners? What is our attitude towards sinners? What is our attitude towards uh, rebellious people? Are we indifferent? Well, I, don't, I don't care. It doesn't bother me that they're doing that. It doesn't bother me that they're living that way. Or are we like the Pharisees in the New Testament? The Pharisees who, who look down their noses at sinners and saw themselves as better than sinners and had, you know, kind of disdain and disgust for sinners. And remember the, the one Pharisee prayed, thank you that I'm not like other people. You know, do we have the heart of a Pharisee when we look at sinners or does our heart break for sinners? Do we have compassion for the lost? Like Jeremiah here, his heart is broken. His heart is broken for uh, the condition of the nation, for the condition of the people. His heart is broken for sinners. You know, that's, that's the same heart that Jesus has. You know, he, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He wept for the people of Jerusalem. He wept for sinners. He was grieved for sinners. He was broken hearted. For sinners, he came to this earth and laid down his life on the cross to save sinners. He died for sinners. That was Jesus' heart. That's Jeremiah's heart. You know, I think as we look at this and if we, we are honest and say, you know, my attitude to, about sinners, uh, you know, I'm more like a Pharisee than I am like Jesus. And we should pray and say, Lord, give me a heart like yours for the lost. Lord, that I wouldn't be self-righteous, that I wouldn't look down upon them, that I wouldn't be judgmental, but that I would have compassion for them, that I would have a, a, a brokenness for them. And Jeremiah says he, he wept day and night for the suffering of his people due to their sin, due to their rebellion. In verse 2, though, he, he says, Oh, that I had in the wilderness, the desert, a lodging place. For travelers that I might leave my people and go from them. For they are all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. You know, uh, Jeremiah was filled with sorrow for uh, the sin of his people. But at the same time, uh, he's, he's, he has dislike for their sin. He wants to get away from it. He doesn't want to be around it anymore. He wanted to leave his people. He wanted to escape. He wanted to go, you know, live in the wilderness, out in the desert, alone, and get away from it all. 
Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever want to just get away from it all? You want to just leave it all behind and just kind of escape uh, from this world and escape from uh, just all of the wickedness and all of the corruption? That's one of the nice things about a vacation. You can get a little break, right, from this world. You take a break from watching the news and just kind of get away, but then you got to come back. But Jeremiah here, he wants to escape. He wants to uh, escape from his own people, get away from all their corruption, all their sin. For him, for Jeremiah, he'd rather live alone in the desert than continue living in the midst of all of that corruption. You know, in the New Testament times, there was a, a group, a sect within Judaism called the Essenes. Uh, and the Essenes, they actually did this. They, they left uh, Jerusalem, and they went and they dwelt out in the desert. And they just started a new life for themselves out in the desert because they believed that the religious system of Judaism was, was so corrupt that it was corrupt beyond redemption. There was, no, uh, there was no saving it. There was no fixing it. And so they just left. And they moved their families out to the desert down near the Dead Sea. They made a life for themselves out there in the desert. Uh, and they, they just separated themselves from all of the corruption that was in Jerusalem. They moved out to the desert and they waited for the Messiah to come. They prepared a place in the wilderness for God to come. They got that from Isaiah chapter 40. Prepare a place in the wilderness. Make straight a path for God. They took that literally. They went out to the wilderness. They lived out there. And they just waited for the Messiah to come. And they, and they, uh, they worshipped. They studied the scriptures. They copied the scriptures. That's where we got the Dead Sea Scrolls from. We're from the Essenes. And they lived out there. Just waiting for the Messiah to come. And guess what? The Messiah came. Huh. Jesus Christ came. The one they were waiting for. And here, Jeremiah, that's what Jeremiah wants to do. He wants to just get away. Uh, And he describes the people here as adulterers, describes them as treacherous. In verse 3, he describes them as liars, saying, And like their bow, they have bent their tongues like lies. They, They shoot lies like arrows. They are not valiant for the truth on the earth. Uh, they, uh, the idea here is no one stood up for the truth. Uh, they proceeded from evil to even greater evil. We would say today they went from bad to worse. And they do not know me, says the Lord. They, they didn't know the Lord. Uh, even though they were very religious and they still had the temple And they still kept the feast and they still made sacrifices and offerings and prayers. They didn't know the Lord. It was all just religious ritual. It was just uh, empty religious activity. But they actually didn't know the Lord. He goes on, he says, everyone take heed to his neighbor and do not trust any brother. For every brother will utterly supplant And every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongues to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. 
Uh, Here he says you you, you couldn't trust anyone. You can't trust your neighbor. Remember where the, the second greatest command is love your neighbor, right? But at this point, things were so corrupt in the nation. He says you can't trust your neighbor. You couldn't even trust your brother. He says here in verses 4 and 5. You can't even trust your brother. Now notice in verse 4, he says, Every brother will utterly supplant. And this is a play on words. The phrase utterly supplant in the Hebrew, it's the word for the name Jacob, Yaakov. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. And if you remember Jacob from earlier in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, uh, Jacob was a supplanter. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob deceived his brother Esau into giving him the birthright. And Jacob deceived his father Isaac, who was old and blind. He deceived his father Isaac into giving him the blessing instead of his brother Esau. He was a deceiver. He was a supplanter. And here the Lord says, every brother will utterly supplant or every brother is a Jacob in the Hebrew. Every brother is a Jacob. Every brother is deceiving his own brother. Every brother is stealing from his own brother. Again in verse 5, everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. No one's speaking the truth anymore. Much like today's culture, you know, we, we live in a day when, when truth, just, just truth, is rejected. We live in a day when people can redefine truth. You know, we, 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 we don't even know what a male or a female is anymore. It's all being redefined. And people can give a new definition and create their own truth today. The truth is just rejected. The truth is whatever you want it to be today. That's what was happening in that day. And what we see with Judah, with the nation of Judah, when the truth is rejected, the nation collapses. Look at what it says again in verse, uh, verse 5. They taught their tongues to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. They wear themselves out. Committing sin. So we're not talking about people who are generally righteous, generally godly, but occasionally sin or occasionally stumble. Uh, They are wearing themselves out to commit iniquity. 
Uh, and some of you may remember, you know, your BC days uh, where you wore yourselves out to commit sin. Right? And you, you exhausted yourselves uh, pursuing sin and you spent all your money pursuing sin just to commit iniquity. That's what the nation was doing. He says, your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit, look what it says, they refuse to know me, says the Lord. Now look back in verse 3. In verse 3, the Lord said, they do not know me. Now here he says, they refuse to know me. So now we're talking about something here that is deliberate. It's, it's, a, it's a conscious rejection of God. They refuse to know God. Now, why is that? Because God is a God of truth. And God has given us his word, right? And his word is truth. This is a nation that has rejected truth. This is a nation that is redefining truth. To mean whatever they want it to mean. And... It's just a matter of time before they reject God because God is a God of truth and they reject God's word because God's word is true. God's word is truth. That's what's happening in the nation. They've rejected truth. So now they reject God and they reject the truth that God has given the word. So they refuse to know God. They refuse. They refuse to know me, says the Lord. Therefore, verse 7. So because they refuse to know God, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I will refine them and try them. For how shall I deal with the daughter of my People. Here the Lord says, because they refuse to know me, he will refine them. He will refine the nation. The, the purpose of refining is to remove impurities. When, when a precious metal like gold is refined, that refining process is to remove the impurities and to purify the metal. God refines his people for the purpose of purification. Purification, not to destroy them, that's not the purpose of it, not to consume them completely, but to purify them, to remove the corruption. That's what God says he's going to do. He says, for how shall I deal with the daughter of my people? Their tongue is as an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart he lies in wait Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Uh, You know, God's not just going to let them go. They're his people. He chose them. They belong to him. He loves them. So he's not going to just let them go. You know, much like a a, a parent who has a, a, a wayward son or daughter that parent doesn't just, you know, let the child go. The, child, the parent does everything they can do to save that child, to bring that child back. God will do whatever is necessary 
to save his people and to bring them back to him, including refining them through trials and difficulties and judgment. Now, verse 10, Jeremiah says, I will take up a weeping and wailing for the mountains and for the dwelling places of the wilderness, a lamentation. Here's why he's weeping and wailing and lamenting. Because they are burned up so that no one can pass through them. Nor can men hear the voice of the cattle. Both birds of the heavens and the beasts have fled. They're gone, he says. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, of a den of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah desolate without an inhabitant. And here, Jeremiah, it seems, he has a vision of the future destruction of Judah and the future destruction of of Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians. And what he sees is he sees all of the land scorched by fire. And he sees the cities destroyed and uninhabited. And he sees Jerusalem as just a pile, he says, a a heap of ruins, just completely destroyed. And 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 he notices that there's no more cattle in the land. There's no more birds in the air. There's no more animals left in the land. There's only jackals, you know, wandering through the the rubble of the city of Jerusalem. There's no more people. It's all desolate. The land is desolate and scorched. And Jeremiah, as he sees this vision of what will take place in the land of Judah at the hands of the Babylonians, he's weeping and he's wailing over the condition of the land and what will take place. You know, uh, uh, earlier this year, some of you know this, I posted something on Facebook. Uh, Earlier this year, my childhood home burned, uh, burned down. Uh, And this last week, I was down in Florida, and I took my family out to that home. You know, my parents sold that home almost 40 years ago. Uh, I lived in that, I was born into that house. I lived there till I was nine. Uh, and we rode out to that house because I wanted to see the house, you know. Uh, and it was completely destroyed except uh, some of the um, framing, you know, some of the, uh, the two-by-fours and that kind of thing were still in place. And you could, you could see where the rooms used to be and where the hallway used to be and where the, the uh, kitchen used to be and the bathrooms. And, but it was so surreal to stand in that house almost 40 years later and you could see, like, well, this was my bedroom, and this was my parents' bedroom, and this is where the kitchen was. And it's, it's just scorched. It's just ash, and it's burned to the ground. Jeremiah is walking through his homeland, and, and the whole land is scorched by fire. All of the cities are destroyed. And for Jeremiah, he's walking through his homeland, and he sees where this city used to be. And now it's just a pile of rocks. And he sees where that city used to be. And, and this building and that building and Jerusalem. And it's just a heap of ruins. And he's walking through the land. And he, he's, he's weeping and wailing as he sees all of this destruction of what was once his homeland, right? He asked. 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Dan, we invite you to visit our website, calvarybc.com. There you'll have access to our library of previous messages available to listen to online or download to take with you on the go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Each time we post a new teaching, you'll get a notification and be able to listen right away. We're so blessed to be able to provide you with insightful messages taken straight from the pages of God's Word. We pray you've been encouraged today by what you've heard. We'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us as we continue to build this ministry. God is using programs like Ring of Truth to share the message of the gospel through a virtual mission field. Now, more than ever, people are being reached through radio and online teachings. We're so glad we could be a part of it and we're eager to see where God will take us next. Would you join us in seeking God's will for this ministry? We'd also ask that you keep our listeners in your prayers, that they'll be open to how God is speaking to them. We know God listens to the prayers of His people, and we appreciate you partnering with us in this way. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to take the things you're learning in this study and apply them in your daily life. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will continue teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice, and it only takes Rings true.